Joe Fan of Seattle Sports joins us to talk about betting on the M's, how far the Mariners could go in the playoffs, and more on today's episode of Locked On Mariners. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Tidian Gonzalez and Colby Patnode for the Locked On Mariners podcast brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube, or subscribe to the show and leave a five star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you want to hear from us even more, consider signing up for our Patreon. The link, as well as our social accounts, are in the description of this show wherever you're watching or listening to this joe fan is going to join us a little later on to talk about the mariners run to the postseason and how aggressive better should get on seattle in october i also had to sneak a little russell wilson and the seahawks in there for the former seahawks beat reporter but before that colby and i <laughs> colby and i are gonna dive a little bit into this mariners Angels series starting tonight it's a weird weird weekend series that starts on friday ends on monday instead of Sunday, which is especially strange when you consider the fact that the Mariners have had an abundance of off days over the last week or so. Couldn't have put one of those next Monday instead of Thursday and instead started the series on Thursday. Whatever. I digress. It's going to be a really fun series from a pitching perspective, however. We got Robbie Ray on the bump tonight against Michael Lorenzen, and then tomorrow, that's the marquee matchup. George Kirby versus Shohei Otani, finally. Uh, Marco Gonzalez against Reed Detmers on Sunday, and then Jose Suarez takes the bump for the Angels on Monday uh, against, um, uh, who is it (laughs) on Monday? Uh, Suarez? It's uh, Gilbert. It's Logan Gilbert for the Mariners against Jose Suarez. Yes, yes. Okay, so, yeah, we got four really fun pitching matchups here. You know, obviously the one that stands out the most is Kirby versus Otani, but what's your feel on all the matchups? Mariners sweep. They score seven off of Otani because the Angels have clearly given up. Um, Although, how would we know? They play like they've given up since April, so who really knows the difference? Um, no, I, I think the, uh, the Otani Kirby one is, is obviously the, the good one, uh, so to speak, maybe not for the Mariners offense, but it's, it's probably the most fun matchup. Uh, you know, Kirby's on a roll right now. Otani is Otani. So that one's a lot of fun. Uh, tonight you should have a really good opportunity to, uh, win this game. Ray has dominated the angels this year. Uh, Lorenzen, not so much, and you know, there's been some controversy around Lorenzen every time he pitches against the Mariners. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. But uh, I think uh, tonight's matchup is is probably the most lopsided one. Um, and then we'll see how the Mariners fare against the the two lefties that they're going to face. Uh, in theory, the Mariners should handle left-handed pitching quite well because Sam Haggerty's really good against lefties. Uh, obviously, Julio and Gino are really good against lefties. Carlos Santana is really good against lefties, but for whatever reason, the Mariners against lefties, not that good. So uh, hopefully they can start to correct that. But uh, yeah, I I think overall the pitching matchups certainly favor Seattle. Um, It's nice that you have your uh, one of your three best going up against Otani. 
And yeah, it's just one of those things that Mariners rotation as a whole is kind of on a roll right now. So you have to feel pretty good on a night in night out basis. Uh, you know, there's still obviously Otani in the lineup. There's still Mike Trout back in the lineup and he's been on fire, uh, just in time to play the Mariners because of course, um, and then, you know, Rinkifo's having a, a pretty decent year and then it's, it's Ward's having a pretty decent year. They could swing it a little bit. Um, can't pitch. So if you score runs, you're going to be fine. Uh, and I think these pitching matchups, uh, I mean, I guess it could be better if you didn't have to face Otani at all. But for the most part, I feel like uh, this worked out pretty well for you. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, if you can win two out of these four games, you're fine. You'll be fine. Just keep on, you know, just win a couple, get out of there. You're done with the Angels after that. And then you get the A's, you get the Royals on this road trip as well. So there's going to be more opportunities to stack up some wins. Um, and you're going to be facing, you know, not as good pitching on both of those teams. So, yeah. Uh, you know, the Angels are probably, I would say, maybe the peskiest of the of the remaining teams on the schedule. Uh, but that's not really saying much, right? <laughs> I mean, Oakland, but minus Elvis Andrus, we'll see. Um, yeah, yeah. Minus Jed Lowry, minus Elvis yeah. Andrus. Like, yeah. They, yeah, <laughs> just, just so you guys are aware, though, if the uh, if the Mariners did just go 10 and 10 uh, down the stretch here, uh, they would equal last year's win total 90, 90 wins, 72 losses. Uh, Baltimore would have to go, because the Mariners have the tiebreaker, Baltimore would have to go 16 and 4. Yeah. So with yeah. matchup against the Astros, the Rays, I think the Blue Jays still Toronto like, tonight. Yeah. They're losing more than four games. <laughs> yeah, just so. find a way to go 500. So if if Seattle does lose this series, it's not ideal, obviously, but it's not the end of the world. You just have to make it up a little bit later. So, yeah, all, all this is is about, you know, just trying to keep some momentum going. Um obviously you want to sweep the Angels because duh, but um <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just one of those things. Like you just you know kind of find a way, keep your head above water. Don't be surprised if the Mariners try some things that maybe don't make a lot of sense, but they are prepping for the playoffs, and and that's the position they've earned uh, based on how they played in the first 142 games. So maybe it's you know, hey, why are you letting Boyd face three righties in a row or whatever it is, right? Why are you asking Boyd to get five outs when Eric Swanson's ready to go? You know, it's just one of those things like they might be trying some things. They might start to you might see some unique lineups. You might see some different configurations. It's just, you know, they're going to experiment a little bit here. Um, so don't be too surprised. I don't know if that starts this weekend, but don't be too surprised if you start to see some things like that, that don't look the same as they have for the previous 142 games. I think you might see them try try a few things here and there. Well, that kind of goes back to the conversation that we had on yesterday's episode that, you know, this might be a, a prime opportunity now to get some of the guys that haven't played a lot on the back end of your roster uh, to get some at-bats, particularly guys like Jake Lamb, Abraham Toro, Taylor Trammell, uh, just to kind of figure out who's going to make the playoff roster, who's going to make the wild card roster, uh, who do we want to carry, you know. And so, uh, like Colby said, you know, you're probably going to see, um, you know, some guys show up in the lineup a little more often than they have in the past just for that fact and you might see maybe julio get a get a day off and maybe you know gino gets a day off and ty france should definitely get at least a few days off with his wrist injury and mitch should definitely get a few days off if he's not going to end up landing on the il and like if he's you know so not if he's not in the lineup today what are you doing right. put him on the il call up kelnick it doesn't matter and just roll with it 
Like, there's yeah. just no point. If he can't play after four days, four straight days off, he needs to go on the IL. Well, and that's uh, past the point that you can retroactive, you retroactively always... put him on for like the uh, for like the day that he first suffered the injury too, because it's right. only three days that you can right. do it for. So you can still get him on the ten day IL, and he'll only be out seven days. But yeah, yeah, you you could have done that. You know, you could have saved a day is basically what I'm saying. Basically two. You could have yeah. saved two. And yeah. so we'll see how that goes. Um, by the way, we have a little bit of news. Um, okay. Nothing serious, but uh, Dylan Moore has been added to the Tacoma Rainiers roster. He will begin his rehab assignment. Okay. So he is yeah. going to get a rehab stunt. It is being described as brief. So yeah. maybe he's in Anaheim by the end of the series. Um mm. So, yeah, I would think that he's probably going to be with Seattle, I would say, by Monday before they head out to Oakland. Where are they going? Texas? Uh, they're, uh, not going to, they're not going to Texas. They don't have Texas anymore. I think uh, They're going to go to Oakland and Kansas Texas. City on this series. But um, I don't think – yeah, but I don't think they're going to Texas. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, they're yeah, going to Oakland. Oakland after this, yeah. and then it's Kansas City. Yeah, and then yeah, they're so, done on the road yeah. until the postseason. Right. If so they're they going just... on the road in the postseason. Ha, ha, ha. Well, they'll, have, they'll have to eventually, unless, you know, if they go 0-2 at home. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly <laughs> but, what I was uh, saying, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to spell it out for people. Um, yeah. yeah, so I guess there's really you, – you could just wait and he can meet the team in Oakland. I was thinking if they're going to go to Kansas city after this, you probably just want him to fly with you to Kansas mm. city. Uh, but yeah, he could just meet the team in Oakland. So I would say by next uh, Tuesday, Dillmore will be back and, you know, barring a setback and hopefully he can swing it a little bit because again, it would be nice to give JP a few days off here down the stretch run and just pray that that helps somehow because ugh. Yeah, well, and and again too, you know, because the the rehab stint is going to be brief for for Demo, and he hasn't played since August twenty eighth. You're gonna want to get him in some games here so he can, you know, shake the rust off a little bit as best as he can. So, yeah, so like I said, you know, you're probably gonna see a lot of uh, reserves um, making appearances and in, in lineups over the next couple weeks, and maybe that starts tonight. We'll see. Um, maybe the lineups out by the time that you're watching this and. Either that's confirmed or denied. Uh, but I would say that even if it doesn't happen tonight, we're probably going to start seeing stuff like that happen relatively soon. So we're going to check in with Joe Fan of Seattle Sports and WinBet in just a moment to uh, talk about the Mariners' postseason run and uh, how he views the Mariners from a betting perspective in just a second. But real quick, a reminder of this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts. It is also your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. It is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online is where the game starts. If you're a Seattle sports fan, you likely know our next guest. He used to cover the Seahawks for NBC Sports Northwest and is now a brand ambassador for Win Bet and hosts the Bet to Win podcast with Joe Fan. You can also find some of his written work over on Seattle Sports on MyNorthwest.com. Joe Fan, thanks for coming on. How's it going, man? I'm doing great. Appreciate the invite, man. Thank you for having me. 
Yeah, thank you for uh, for hopping on. I uh, I reached out, of course, to uh, have you do a video for our special episode that we're doing, and we'll uh, use this time real quick as a reminder that you should join uh, Joe and uh, getting a video in and telling us what uh, the Mariners making the postseason would mean to you. So, Joe, what is the what is your favorite part of this Mariners team right now? So overall. Yeah. I think it's how much fun they have playing together. That sounds super cheesy, but like mm. the buy-in and the belief that the clubhouse evidently has on a day-to-day basis is just so refreshing because how many teams have we seen that are apathetic and just playing the string out to where they got to get to game 162 so they can get out, enjoy their off season and figure out what's next in their career path. You know, it's not, I'm here for the long haul. I want to be a part of the success of this team um and be a building block for a franchise that you know deserves a winner you know it's i'm here for a year maybe two i'll try to make the most of it but then who knows what's next and you know we've kind of seen so many players just be ships in the night so i think for me it's it's the chemistry it makes this team really easy to root for and a lot a lot of fun to watch because i mean they're down early you know whatever or down late uh, as you saw against uh, atlanta on sunday um, you know, they, you always feel like they've got a shot, which is not something we could say about a lot of Mariners teams we've seen over the last 21 years. Joe, you've, uh, you've been in person for a lot of crazy games, particularly over at Lumen Field, CenturyLink, whatever you want to call it. What is it with CL sports teams and why can they not play in normal games? There's something about the Pacific Northwest air, apparently, you know, I think a lot of people thought, especially with the Seahawks that. You know, the, the weirdness of their games was a Russell Wilson trait, and it's not just Russell Wilson, very evidently, based on what we saw on Monday. And so, uh, yeah, I, I don't know the answer to that question, but um, it certainly makes a lot of these games very stressful to watch. And I think every Seattle sports fan has had a number of, uh, of semi-heart attacks, proverbially speaking, of course, uh, watching these teams. But uh, it's never dull, that's for mm-hmm. sure. But, uh, you know, again, I... It's fun, and you know I'm down for chaos ball that, that continues. And again, we want to look for reasons why you know this team might have a chance to win. The chaos ball comes from a belief and an effort uh, at doing the little things, you know. And mm-hmm. when you can just do your job, that sets you above so many other teams, particularly bad teams who are often incapable of doing so. And we've seen the Mariners get a couple of free wins this year. Uh, again, something something else we're not used to seeing, uh, just because you know the fundamentals escape some teams, especially the bad ones. Yeah. The, you know, the carryover from last year, the, and that's, you know, indicative of Scott services leadership, of course, and just how they do the little things so well from the defense to the base running, all that they're so just well put together. Um, I'm really curious, you know, and I see you wearing the Edgar shirt. I'm really curious about your Mariners fan story. How, how did, how did this start? How did this obsession with this team start for you? It's been my whole life, to be honest. I mean, the Mariners, baseball was my first love. I grew up in Baltimore. Mm, same. So just, what, 30 minutes north of Seattle. Baseball was my first love, you know. So I remember going to games at the Kingdome. Um, you know, I remember the fireworks. I remember how loud it was. Um, you know, and that was, I mean, I was young. Some of my first memories are watching Mariners games, going to Mariners games. You know, I remember being in my living room, the 95 for Edgar's double. I mean, I was, what, six years old? You know, I, I can't think of many memories I have prior to that. So, you know, I grew to love the Sonics, but but less so in the 90s, even though they were really good. I was just a Mariners baseball guy. And my, my love for the Sonics came uh, more in the Ray Allen era, Richard Lewis era. And then with the Seahawks, it was 
with Hasselbeck and Alexander, you know, more in the, the early 2000, early to mid 2000s. So for me, it was all baseball all the time growing up. And, um, you know, then I, then I, you know, the love was always there, but then of course the Sonics leave. So I don't have a fan. I'm not a fan of an NBA team anymore, even though I still love hoops and I miss the Sonics a bunch. When you get into reporting um, where I covered the Titans for one year, the Niners for four and a half, and then the Seahawks for two and, you know, you sort of have to take your fandom out of it at that point in order to do, to do the job correctly, and, and at least in my opinion. And so I wouldn't even say at this point that, you know, I'm really a Seahawks fan. You know, I, I want them to do well because all my friends and family want them to do well. Uh, and I want people who follow me to be happy and whatever. I'm not like rooting against them by any means, but it's just different. So really, mm-hmm. for a long time now, it's been the Mariners are sort of all I've got. You know, I like Gonzaga hoops. I like UW football didn't go to either school. So it doesn't feel as authentic. So, you know, it, it, it's really puts more pressure on the Mariners as that's my one team that, you know, I get it during baseball season. I get to, you know, wake up every day and uh, look forward to, to watching them play every night. And, you know, even when in the bad seasons, you're just grateful to have baseball and be at the ballpark and all that. But certainly this is more fun and I can't wait to, I don't even know if my body is ready for playoff baseball and what that anxiety is going to be like. Um, but I'm ready, I'm ready to find out. I can't wait. I think I'm just gonna, I think I'm gonna watch the game by myself because I'm gonna be such a lunatic. I don't think I can be seen in public watching the game. So, um, I can't wait, man. But yeah, that's, that's sort of my story in terms of, uh, my love for this team. Yeah, for me, you know, I, I live in the Toronto area. I, I moved out of Washington when I was 12. Um, and so, you know, I haven't been back to T-Mobile Park since. Um, but, you know, a lot of folks, a lot of a lot of people that listen to the show, they're like, oh, Ty's rooting for uh, the Mariners to, to come to Toronto. He's rooting for them to, to play the Blue Jays. I don't know, man, because I don't know if I could do that. I don't know, especially in a hostile environment. I don't know if I could contain myself like for the first playoff series in 20 years for the Mariners. I don't know if I could do that, man. I think How I need to watch welcomed? that on my own. How would you be welcomed at that stadium wearing Mariners gear? <sighs> I don't know. Like, it's been fine when I've gone uh like during the regular season but yeah we've we've heard some stories about how things go at rogers center <laughs> and like i've personally seen how they've treated how they've treated a uh, bruins fan after the bruins knocked the leafs out of the play- postseason and i saw a guy get like popcorn thrown at him beer thrown at him for wearing a bruins jersey so you know i don't i don't know i, I don't know how it would go um you know, and I feel like maybe part of the reason that no one really gives me a hard time during the regular season is because, you know, no one has seen the Mariners as a threat. And no one, I mean, still, some people don't really see the Mariners as a threat. And, you know, they're going to learn. They're going to learn the they're next gonna month. Learn. Exactly. They're going to learn. They're going to learn today. So, yeah, but I, I'm totally with you, man. Like, I, I don't know if I could actually uh, be out in public during a Mariners game. I get, like, crazy over regular season games. And, like, just knowing how I was during, like, Seahawks postseason football, like, 2013, even when it was like, all right, they're the best team in the world right now. Like, even then, they're playing the Saints, and I'm freaking out. <laughs> like, you know, every single snap. Um, so, yeah. So, tell me uh, – Tell me a bit more about your feelings going into the postseason with this team. Where do you think they could? Uh, how how far do you think they could take this? I'm I'm sort of uh, going through this thought process today. It's it's interesting you ask that question because my latest story for uh, SeattleSports.com is going to be five moments that should make you believe the Mariners are capable of making a postseason run. And mm-hmm. you know I think it's starting to shift already from, gosh I hope they make the playoffs to what can they do. 
in the playoffs. They're going to make the playoffs. I mean, it would take such a catastrophic and historic uh, collapse at this point, combined with Baltimore going on just an insane run, which is unforeseen given their schedule the rest of the way. So if they don't make the playoffs, you can come back and blame me, whatever, that's fine. Uh, I guess I'll wear that. But they're going to be in the playoffs. Um, keep the champagne or keep the cork in the champagne. That moment will come. But but we, we can accept that um, given what the numbers are, where they're at, who they play the final 20 games, and just the current standings. But you look at matchups. They can take two of three against anybody in a wild card series. Would they be favored? Maybe not. But they have a better pitching staff than Toronto. Um, it's probably a wash with Tampa. Um, and I think they'd probably be favored over any AL Central team. Or maybe if, you know, as the road team, it'd be a pick or they'd be slight underdogs. But I think if you just look at the rosters, you'd say, there's no reason why the Mariners shouldn't win. So getting the number one wild card seed would be huge. Getting to play at home would be huge. That's a big emotional thing for me is having them make the playoffs, have the streak end, but then not getting a home game would be gravely disappointing. Um, and so I'm hoping that that's where my attention is right now. I'm less concerned of whether they'll make the playoffs as opposed to whether they'll have the chance to, to host a game. Mm-hmm. But outside of Houston, because I think Houston is sort of, you know, name X sports movie that has this big bad team they can't beat till the very end. You know, whether it's, it's I don't know, Little Giants or whatever. I mean, we can go down the list. But like outside of that, They've already beat the Yankees in two different series. They've swept the Blue Jays. They have struggled with the Raves that raised this year, but dominated them last year. And that lineup, I think, against the Maris pitching staff, you'd like to give the advantage to the Maris pitching staff. So I don't think, even though they'll be the underdog, I don't think it's impossible that they go on a run. Does that mean World Series? Probably not. But I feel confident enough, especially in the pitching staff, and they have enough pop in the lineup to where – yeah, they might have a game where they get shut out. I mean, what? The game one against the Padres is a perfect example. They get shut out. Uh, you Darvish is dealing whatever. But all of a sudden, you make cold bad pitches the next day, and you're down three runs in the first bottom of the first inning with Julio and Eugenio Suarez going yard. So I think there's enough there. I don't know, man. I'm like talking myself into it right now because I, I do think this team can be dangerous. I don't, I don't see a reason why... Again, the Astros are seem like the, the pinnacle of the mountain to climb, and they, they would obviously make me the most nervous. Beyond that, I'd feel like this team can go toe-to-toe with anybody. I think they feel like that, which is cool. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're thinking, oh, well, and they have the streak, too. then we're good. And they have, too, right? Like, you know, even against the Astros, yeah, they lost their season set with the Astros, but it wasn't a complete, like, blowout, you know? No. From, the tide is shifting, certainly. You know, and they, they just – Took a series from the defending champs. They just, you know, split a series with the Padres with Juan Soto and Manny Machado and all these superstars on their team. They've taken series from the Yankees, like you mentioned, taken series from the Blue Jays, you know. And that Rays series, you know, or both of the Rays series that they had so long ago, back like that was a whole different team back in April and May, really, that we're that we're talking about. And pitching reigns supreme in the postseason. They have arguably the best bullpen in all of baseball, if not one of the best that are going to enter the postseason field. On top of that, they have one of the best rotations and especially one of the best one, two, threes with uh, Kirby and Castillo and Ray. And then you have Logan Gilbert in there as well. Like that, that team can go up against. Why shouldn't you anyone. be confident in that? You know, exactly. like, you're, you're, like you're selling me even harder. Like why 
as a Mariners fan, why shouldn't you hear that and think, okay, let's yeah, do exactly. it. Let's see what happens. Exactly. You know, I, I talked about this, I think it was a couple episodes ago. Uh, we were talking about how far this team can go. And it's just, you know, you I look at the rest of the field. Yankees, Mariners can beat them. Rays, Mariners can beat them. Blue Jays, Mariners can beat them. Guardians, we know they can beat them. Like, I think the I think the path is very clear. Now, let me ask you from a betting aspect. How aggressive should people get on the Mariners when betting on them in the postseason? Well, I have a hundred bucks on them to win the World Series, and I got it all the way back at seventy-five to one. Mm. So that's a big enough number to where I can hedge immediately and make it a profitable ticket. I think for me, yeah, throw a little on the World Series. Why not? Throw some beer money on it. Um, you know, I'm one I can't wait to cash is I've got Julio Rodriguez at plus six fifty with a couple hundred bucks to 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 cash eventually. I mean, that's a foregone conclusion at this point. Mm. I think you're gonna get the Mariners at a plus number in every series. So, you know, maybe that's the way to do it. Put some put some beer money on them to win the World Series and then put fifty bucks in the wild card round. And if they make it through, put another fifty bucks on the divisional round and just kind of keep going and as long as they make it to the first round, you're guaranteed a profit. Because, again, I'm anticipating them being the underdog in every series unless they get that one seed and they're playing either uh, the Rays or the Blue Jays at home. But even then, it's either going to be even money or or just below or just under. You know, So they're not going to be a heavy favorite no matter who they play. It's just the nature of the beast when you haven't made the playoffs in 21 years. The betting market, especially the national betting market, the money is going to come in. The public money will be against the Mariners. I guarantee it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think there's plenty of value. Well, listen, we just talked about how they have a chance against anybody. So why not put some faith in the Mariners and say they can win each and every series and just bet the series prices? So before I let you go, you're not a credentialed writer anymore for the Seahawks. I know you said that you're not necessarily a fan anymore. Yeah. Beating, beating Russ. What did you think Monday? Man, I said going I felt in, great. Because I kind of you just want to see chaos. Yeah, and that was sort of what I was rooting for. Here's my thing: is I I, I sort of am I'm defensive of Seahawks fans who really wanted to win that game. When other people come in and say, "How could you boo Russell Wilson? How could you not bow at his feet for what he did for the Seahawks?" And, you know, these guys all got cheered when they went back. And it's classless from Seahawks fans to, to, to have booed him. And to me, it's such an oversimplification of who Russ is, what all went down, how long and drawn out it was. I think everyone, and I wouldn't have booed him myself. I'm just saying I understand people who felt like that was their Super Bowl and they really wanted to beat Russ. And they were happy to let him hear it a little bit when he took the field and throughout that game. I think every one of those people would tell you they're grateful for Russ and what he did in a Seahawks uniform. But I think there's a reason why he's not revered in the way of Bobby, KJ, Marshawn, you know, like there's, he's just so hard to relate to. And he's so corny. And the way he uses social media is so brutal. And I think at first people loved his shtick. And then I think it was like, we'll tolerate his shtick. And now that he's not in Seattle anymore, it's like, now we don't have to pretend we think he's cool. 
Yeah. And that might be really harsh. It might be unfair, but I think there's something to it. Bobby Wagner's going to get cheered unanimously when he comes yeah. back with the Rams. So what is it about Russ? Like, that's what I want other fans to ask. And they might say, well, it doesn't matter because what he did should be good enough. But it, those same fans are clowning on Russ for the let's ride stuff and all of his social media posts and the TikTok and whatever. Like, dude, this guy's nauseating. Well, but Seahawks fans have to love him. Like, there's a reason why he's such a complicated figure in Seahawks sports history. And he will have his day in the sun where he goes into the ring of honor and he gets cheered in front of a pack, packed house. And he'll have that moment to bask in his glory of what he did in Seattle. And, and absolutely rightfully so. But in the here and now, when, when fans spend all offseason, you know, looking at the let's ride, let's all this stuff, you're just like, okay, I'm, I've had enough. Yeah, that's sort of how I feel. I don't dislike Russ. I don't root against him. But yeah, he's sort of painful to follow. And he's not a very um, relatable dude. And I think that is really hard when it comes to his brand is mm -hmm. it resonates well with moms who want them who want him to be a good example for their children. And he is he's a great human who does amazing things. I don't think anyone I don't think anyone would argue otherwise. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. But he's just it just gets on people's nerves. And when he's not your guy anymore, you know, it's sort of feel the free reign to not have to, to admit otherwise. Yeah. Was, was that fair? I, was that like too aggressive? Or no, like, no, you know? no, that was totally fair. Cause like, I mean, I'm in the same boat too. Right. And you know, like you, you know, having covered the Seahawks, not credentialed, but being, you know, right underneath Corbin who, who is credentialed still. And uh, just kind of being in that realm and, and covering the team from that side of things. I, you know, I became less of a fan, but, you know, Monday night, that all kind of came back for a few hours, right? You know, because it's just like, you look at Russ, you look at what, like, last year, after Adam Schefter tweeted out the four teams, Mark Rogers gave him the four teams, blah, 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 and then he had, and then Russell has the audacity to go up to the mic and say, I didn't request a trade. Like, come on. Like, we it's know just, what's going on know, here, like, man. There's a lot of, the whole saga was playing people for fools a lot. And it came yeah. from the Seahawks too, you know, Pete Carroll yeah. saying, you know, everything's fine. You got, it's a media created thing. It's like, it's not a media created thing. Just stop yeah. it. Like stop. And that's what kind of drives me nuts about the whole thing is like, just, a lot of, here's the, I don't think Russ is a, a pretty genuine person. I don't think he does things out of trying to be shady or whatever, or someone he's not. I genuinely think that's him. But because it's so hard to relate to, it comes off as disingenuous quite a bit. It's like, I'm not an idiot, and I feel like you're trying to pretend like I'm an idiot. You know, mm. there's enough smoke here to know something's going on. So stop telling me it's nothing. And then, especially as a media, a media member, it's like, don't blame the media. Yeah. Come on with that. So, yeah, man, it's crazy. And I think now that's out of everyone's system. I don't think, I don't think if the Broncos were to come back, you know, down the road, it would be as bad. But game one wounds are fresh it's his first game seahawks first game without him i mean even pete carroll look at the quotes from pete carroll this week with you know with mike salk and after the game and whatever he is we know he's got an ego everybody everybody has one he's a competitor you know there's probably a reason why he's still coaching it's largely ego even you know even though he could retire years ago and rode off into the sunset with all his money he's made um but he, he hasn't peeled back the curtain and, and displayed it so publicly the way he has since that game. And, and even before the game, 
not telling fans to boo, but essentially telling fans to boo him. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw some some Seahawks be like, he didn't say that. It's like, well, he did not say it. You know, like, come on. We, mm. we can read between the lines here. Mm. And after the game, saying how much it meant more than just the first game of the season. Well, that's very different than Pete Carroll. Normally, every game's a championship opportunity. We treat them all the same, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I kind of liked it. You know, again, I, I think the same thing with Pete, people have to say about Russ. Like, I just want transparency. Like, we know how you feel. Like, so stop telling us you don't feel that way. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're human. So, of course, that meant a little bit more. And there's some pride on the line, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so, yeah, credit to him for saying it. Yeah, I love that he uh, he was very candid. Uh, and he's been very candid even ever since, right? Like, it, he didn't, like, you know, pop off on Sunday and then come back Monday and be like, well, you know, it was just, you know, it was another game, whatever. No, he just, he kind of doubled down, right? Like, on the, on the yeah. interview with Salk. And, and I respect him for it. Yeah, I respect him. Uh, I respect the hell out of Pete and uh, everything that he's done. And I'm happy for him. I'm happy that he was able to get that win. I'm happy for Geno Smith. I'm just happy for that whole team because, you know, they had to listen to it for the last five months. And, you know, ever since the schedule came out, ever since we knew that this was going to be week one, Russell Wilson coming back to Seattle, the whole narrative is, you know, it's the Russ game. It's the Russ game. It's the Russ game. But that completely overlooks the fact that it's just another football game at the end of the day. And those guys and the ugly green uniforms really wanted to win that game. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it was just awesome. It was awesome to hear, like, Shelby Harris pop off after the game. It was very reminiscent of, like, old Seahawks. Like, back, you know, the chip-on-the-shoulder Seahawks, right? Like, that's what you love to see. It's just Pete Carroll ball to a T. And the way that they won that game was very Pete Carroll to a T. And uh, it was awesome. It was very... Uh, it was just it was a really good football game in general great way to open up the season joe i really appreciate you hopping on here uh remind the folks real quick where they can find your work yeah winbet.com seattlesports.com and i'm on twitter at joe underscore fan but man i appreciate you having me it's been a lot of fun having uh, having a conversation and hopefully we can have uh, have more of them throughout these uh mlb playoffs that hopefully the mariners will be in beyond the wild card round yeah for sure it's gonna be crazy man it's gonna be crazy but it's gonna be a lot of fun i'm looking forward to it thanks joe Appreciate you. All right. Thank you again to Joe Fan for joining us today. And that's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. For Colby Patnode, I'm Tidying Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, that's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen. Now make your second listen, the Locked On MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis. Sullivan brings humor, passion, and unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked On MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts just like us. And with that, have yourself a beautiful baseball weekend, and we'll see you next week. Peace. Go Ems.